everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna, and alongside me is fellow Pensburg contributor, Robbie Noggle. And uh, this isn't the way that I wanted to lead in with this, uh, the beginning of this Pensburg Podcast episode, uh, but the day we are recording this, uh, Friday, January 20th, uh, Robbie and I have found out that um, due to the uncertain economic times that have sort of plagued several industries over the last several weeks and months, uh, Vox Media, uh, Pensburg's parent company, has uh, moved forward with some uh, some layoffs uh, as a result of these uh, these uncertain times. And uh, a- as things stand right now, Pensburg, the website uh, is one one of the few hockey blogs, uh, SB Nation hockey blogs, that is, as of right now, will still be receiving, uh, it looks like still be receiving funding. Uh, I know uh, from reading earlier in the day on Friday that uh, I think over 80% of SB Nation's hockey blogs and uh, several other communities uh, related to other sports like Major League Soccer, um, and um, I'm sure there's a tons of other different communities that I'm just forgetting. That's how ingrained SB Nation was in all of this. Uh, they are cutting back significantly, and the future is uncertain for a, a lot of people. The future is uncertain for us. The future is uncertain uh, for a lot of the team-related websites that I'm sure a lot of our listeners go to. Uh, unfortunately, as a result of these cutbacks, uh, Pensburg's website, pensburg.com, will continue to uh, continue to probably continue to push out Pe- Penguins content for, I would imagine, the remainder of this season. Uh, but unfortunately, on the podcasting side of things, uh, our the 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 budget that was used and all of the podcasting operations that were used uh, to create the Pensburg podcast, and everything associated with the Pensburg podcast will be coming to an end as of February 28th, 2023. So uh, Robbie and I, uh, again, we just found out this information earlier in the day, the day we're recording this on Friday, uh, January 20th. But uh, in the meantime, we plan on continuing with the Pensburg podcast through the end of February. We plan to see out the remainder of our contract uh, as Robbie and I are both contracted to uh, create these episodes of the Pensburg podcast, uh, we will see out the remainder of this contract through the end of February. And in between that time, in between now and the end of February, we will uh, hopefully come up with some sort of plan to uh, continue the podcast in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I know that I've talked to just a lot of listeners who have, you know, integrated this podcast into uh, a, a normal part of their daily routine or weekly routine as we get an episode out every Friday or Saturday. And um, so what the future holds for Robbie and I, both in the written sphere and the podcasting sphere, um, remains uncertain and on shaky ground. But um, this has been just an awful day for a whole lot of talented people. Um, and you know, I, all, all I, all I wish for is the best for everyone who was affected by, uh, today's cuts. And I, I hope they land on their feet as quickly as possible because, uh, there are a lot of talented writers that, uh, unfortunately got caught up in, in this wave of, of cutbacks and budget cuts, whatever you want to call it. But, um, again, we, uh, I will recap this at the end of this episode, uh, once we're done talking about the, the penguins related news that Robbie and I want to get to. Uh, so we'll leave that, uh, discussion for the end of the show and, and Robbie, you can chime in, uh, towards the end of the show too, with, with your thoughts as well. I don't want to be hogging the microphone. This is, uh, you know, obviously a situation that affects the both of us. It affects the entire Pensburg team. Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll talk about what I intended to talk about in this episode, uh, which was the, which was the inconsistency of, of the Penguins, the 2022-23 Penguins. And um, 
I've seen the term around. I might have used it. I might have read it somewhere. Apologies if I did read it and I'm not properly crediting the person who did read it. But consistently inconsistent is a term that I've seen thrown around when talking about these penguins. And as of January 19th, the penguins have a 40.7% chance to make the playoffs, according to moneypuck.com. And Robbie, this is not a conversation that we are typically having with a Sidney Crosby-led team at this point in the season. So more recently, following a really ugly overtime win against the Anaheim Ducks earlier in the week and an overtime loss against the Ottawa Senators, both teams that several people within the Penguins online fandom were saying they really need to get maybe six out of eight or, you know, eight out of eight points, uh, you know, however many points they can get from these low teams because they're on the outside looking in. And reports have since emerged, I believe it was within The Athletic, it was either Josh Yoey or Rob Rossi, someone within The Athletic, had recently come out and said that as things stand, unless, you know, unless uh, Hextall is secretly working the phones, Pittsburgh management wants to kind of let this rough patch play out and they're not actively working the trade market. But whether that's true or not, Robbie, um, you know, looking at Money Puck's projections, and again, it's just one website, uh, one website giving some statistical analysis to playoff odds and that sort of thing. But Robbie, we're, we're sitting here towards the end of January. Uh, the next big, outside of the All-Star break, the next big event on the NHL's calendar is the trading deadline, which comes up in a couple of months' time, and more and more conversations are going to be directed towards that. Robbie, do you think it's time to have a serious conversation about the 2022-23 Penguins not being in the playoff picture? Yeah, so you were going off the money puck numbers there, and I I generally just go to 538, uh, which runs the numbers as well, and they have the Penguins currently at uh, projected 96 points, which is gives them a at this moment a 67% chance of making the playoffs. Again, different models re- will um pump out different results. So yeah, looking so somewhere in that, basically what we're saying is right now the Penguins as as is are roughly a 50-50 toss up uh, to make the playoffs. And I think based on their play, that makes that makes total sense. And the the report from the athletic is obviously, I would say, concerning because, I mean, if the idea is to just wait out this rough patch, how long is that wait supposed to happen? Because this is not the first rough patch the Penguins have had this year. Yeah, after the first one, they bounced back with a seven-game winning streak to wipe out the seven-game winning or the losing streak that they had before that. But you can't just be a back-and-forth flip-flop kind of team the rest of the way uh, and hope it all works out for you because right now you're squashed in a wild card slash third place division race with a bunch of other teams and the teams that you have to beat obviously and there's still plenty of games to play as much as um, as fast as the season's going there is still a lot of hockey left but there, there also comes a point of no return and maybe they're just waiting to get to uh, the all-star break slash bye week, which is coming up here uh, in a couple games. But I don't think that you can just sit by and quote unquote, let this play out and see what happens because you just don't have time for that. You, the, the, your clock will eventually start ticking. And now the Penguins have are at 44 games, um, 51 points. Uh, now the good thing for the Penguins is, of all the teams that are right around them in the standings, and I'm counting uh, the Rangers, the Capitals, the Islanders, and uh, Florida is right there as well. Florida is on 49 points, uh, and they would only factor in from a wild card perspective. But the Penguins have 44 games played. The Rangers are at 46. The Capitals are at 48. Um, so they're almost at the 50-game mark already. The Islanders are at 47, and the Panthers are at 47. So the Penguins have at minimum two games on the Rangers and then three on the Islanders and Panthers and four on the Capitals. And if, and obviously a huge, if the Penguins are to win those games in hand, then they would be in a much more comfortable position. So uh, yeah, it's a close race right now for the Penguins, but with the games in hand, 
they do have a little bit of cushion, but eventually that cushion will go away when the games are made up here um, after we get back from uh, the All-Star break. There's not much of a crunch here before the All-Star break for the Penguins slash bye week, um, the, the CBA-mandated bye week. So um, it, to me, the report of we're going to let this play out is a quasi kind of white flag waving by the front office that we don't have the pieces or the money to make a, a make a significant move that's going to help this team, which I think is complete bullcrap. I think that if that is coded language for that, then that is a poor excuse. We're not asking them to bring in a top six winger. We are asking them to help fix uh, the bottom six, at least get them some reinforcements because it's right. It's clear that what we see right now is not working. Um, Jeff Carter is just not good at, in a center role. Teddy Bluger, great penalty killer, absolutely no offensive game uh, whatsoever. Kasperi Kapanen is now out week to week. That just dropped here um, uh, Friday amongst all the other news that was uh that was coming and maybe your one hope is when Chris Letang, Jeff Petrie, uh, these guys get back into the lineup, you get a, a, a kind of bump or a push from them. Uh, Jan Ruda is out as well. Uh, so hopefully that, especially guys like Petrie and uh, Letang, which are so important to the blue line, uh, you, you hope that they maybe do help you do that rough patch. But I personally believe that doing nothing at the deadline, uh, if you if that is their plan, that it's an unserious front office who has no intent on uh, winning a Stanley Cup this year, uh, just basically taking one of the few years of Crosby and Malkin we have left and putting it into a paper shredder and tossing it into the trash. To me, it is inexcusable. It cannot happen. If they are serious about that stance, then if I am... Fenway Sports Group, I am telling them they either have to do something or they can pack their bags and leave because that is not a serious stance to take when you have your top six is fine. The issue is so clear. It is the bottom six. It is doing nothing. It's producing nothing. Now that Brock McGinn has not stopped shooting a 20% clip, he is turning into a black hole in the lineup. So you have to do something. If they don't do something, it is malpractice, and they need to be removed from their positions. Yeah, I agree with you, Robbie. I mean, this isn't the first time we've had a conversation about Ron Hextall and his the, the nature of his philosophies as general manager being a very sit-on-your-hands, passive kind of general manager, uh, taking the wait-and-see approach, not really wanting to give away the first-round pick to try and develop the prospect, the, the, the prospect cupboard, which is... Very, very bare. Um, but at this point, I've, I've kind of, I'm resided to the fact that I, I'd rather them go all in until Crosby and Malkin retire. If that means, if that means giving up the next three years of first round picks or whatever, then so be it. Because the prospect cupboard is already bare enough as it is. There's no blue chip, can't miss prospects that the Penguins are currently developing. They're all either late first rounders or mid to late second rounders whose NHL probability is on shaky ground to begin with. Because once you get out of that top 15, top 20 in the first round, it becomes a lot harder to develop NHL level elite prospects. So I'd be of the mindset now, maybe more so than I was before of just trading away the first round pick as a future asset. And like you said too, we're not asking for a top six, you know, renovation the Penguins can win, and I think they can win very frequently with the top six they have if everyone's healthy. It's the bottom six that needs a complete revamp. And, you know, in theory, bottom six forwards should not cost as many assets as an elite scoring top six winger or center or a top two defenseman. So the things that Ron Hextall did, and a lot of this is his own doing, I mean, giving Jeff Carter that extension, uh, you know, filming the bottom six in with guys like, Brock McGinn, who are effective penalty killers. But yeah, outside of Brock McGinn's hot streak he had earlier in the season, he's returned, he's fallen back down to earth. 
and he's kind of producing at the normal his normal career clip. Dan Heinen, he's been invisible for the majority of this season. He got the Penguins got incredible value out of him last year, uh, but he is nowhere to be found this season. Casper Kapanen, like you said, is injured and now week to week. So if the if if Hextall sits on his hands through the through the trade deadline and even post the trade deadline, it will be uh, a massive miscalculation and misappropriation of assets as far as the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins should be concerned as they try to maximize the last few years of this Crosby-Malkin era. So, And I think we have a question in the mailbag that pertains to Hextall's uh, status as general manager as well. So we'll dive deeper into that conversation. And as we switch gears now to the mailbag segment, um, if you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, you're interested in contributing to this mailbag segment for however much longer we have a mailbag segment, uh, you can do so by following the Pensburg Podcast Twitter account. We will still be sending out mailbag tweets asking for listener participation in this mailbag segment. And uh, we have eight questions this week from a variety of listeners, which is great to see. Robbie, as always, you'll get question number one. Question number one comes from Brendan. What are your thoughts on new Penguins rookie Jonathan Gruden? I felt he brought some energy that sort of reminded me of Tom Kunockel. Well, based on what is generally pushed out on that fourth line, uh, you can't really say that he did anything to make it worse. Let's put it like that. I won't say he had a massive altering impact, but sometimes that's what you need is a guy that just comes in, gives you a boost of energy, and makes you better even if it's not a huge it's obviously any fourth liner is generally not going to have a season altering impact um unless he's like a secret Connor mcdavid or something like that uh, but you saw this in 2016 uh when the when mike sullivan first came in and they brought in guys like rust and sherry who were mostly bottom line guys when they first stepped in obviously turned into much more but sometimes you just need that boost of energy to kind of get back on track. And I think what he's done through two games has been what you expect a guy from the AHL, a career AHL guy, uh, to kind of do is to kind of give uh, some jump to them, uh, to his teammates. And uh, he didn't score anything, but um, just sometimes it's fresh legs um, that, that, make, that, that can make a big difference. So. Uh, overall, he definitely didn't do anything to make that bottom six any worse. And if there's any net benefit, it's just a, 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 a fresh pair of legs to uh, inject some energy into that into that roster, which needs more than just a little at this at this time. Uh, question number two comes from, and I'm this is what it's listed as snail. Uh, with Bo Horvat rumored to be available, could we realistically realistically see the Penguins go all in on him, and can they re-sign him? not only bolstering depth down the middle in the immediate, but also mortgaging their future a bit with some younger talent as Sid and Gino age. I can't tell if this is the first question we've had on the mailbag relating to Bo Horvat, but I mean, every time Bo Horvat's name is brought up, I'm like, yes, please give it to me. I will take it. Uh, Robbie, you and I both don't follow the Canucks on a, a much more regular basis as we do the Penguins, but um, even as we're sitting here recording this podcast right now, I, uh, Bruce Boudreaux's status as J uh, Canucks head coach is murky at best. W what is the status of Bo Horvat? Are they going to trade their captain? Uh, what's the status of the Canucks' other star players like Elias Pettersson and uh, and Hughes, the defenseman? Um, but Relating back to Horvat, yeah, I, I would love to see Bo Horvat as a Pittsburgh Penguin, absolutely, for all the reasons that Snail mentioned. Um, his cap hit, he's in the last year of a, of a contract with a cap hit of $5.5 million. Again, it, it's going to be tough for any team because they're, they all say they're all strapped up against the salary cap and they can't make moves. But where there's a will, there's a way as far as I'm concerned to make the money work. Uh, if you have to sweeten the pot a little bit, can you resign Bo Horvat? is the question that I'm not sure I have an answer to. He's 27 years old. Uh, the Penguins, I believe, will have an estimated $20 million in salary cap space to work with for the 2023-24 season, but they'd likely have to give some of that to Tristan Jari, potentially Jason Zucker, who are also on expiring contracts as well. But 
as it pertains to Bo Horvat, absolutely. I think that would be a tremendous acquisition if the Canucks just go in on a fire sale and want to restart from the ground up. I mean, why not trade with the team that you were general manager you were general manager for for so many years and you won championships with? So I don't know if there's been conversations between Hextall and and Jim Rutherford or Patrick Galvin, but um, and again, there's I'm just speculating. I have no insider knowledge on this, but. I would love Bo Horvat in a Pittsburgh Penguins jersey, absolutely. Question number three for you, Robbie, also comes from Snail. Tristan Jari is a good goalie for his cap hit, but I think he has proven more times than not he can't be counted on to make that big save that matters most in close games. I think it's time for a new look in net. What are your thoughts on bringing Anaheim Ducks goaltender and Pittsburgh native John Gibson back to the Steel City? It feels like it, it was about time for a John Gibson question. Uh, obviously, uh, a little fresh in everybody's mind, seeing as the Penguins just played uh, the Ducks the other night. but uh, And John Gibson looked really good in that game as well. So Gibson is not the goalie he was uh, three or four years ago. Jari is younger with a lower cap hit, though he does have a uh, a new contract coming up, so we'll see where that goes exactly. But I, I really don't think you're going to be able to pry Gibson away from Anaheim for – a reasonable price. I really think people are underestimating or understating uh, what Jari does bring to the team. And I'm just really not a, a fan of just tossing him aside uh, like that. Uh, Gibson, obviously the ties of Pittsburgh are always going to bring his name up, but overall I think um, it's just not a realistic move for a team that has, many more significant holes right now than uh, the goaltender. I think Jari, okay, maybe he's not Andre Vasilevsky or any of those guys, but he's, for what he costs and what he does have a track record, I understand obviously the playoffs and stuff like that, and yeah, that's a huge, a huge issue, but we didn't get to see him last year. I just think that Jari, dollar for dollar, is a better option right now than I'm bringing in, a, bringing in a guy like John Gibson. Uh, question number four, we go over to Brian. Uh, Colby Armstrong and Matt Murley, that is Mur- Murley with an L, uh, recently said on their podcast that the Penguins need to add some grit and mention Josh Anderson as a player to fill that need. Do you agree? Colby also mentioned he sees the Pens finishing third. I'm assuming he means third in the division. Do you see that happening? Josh Anderson currently with the Montreal Canadiens uh, is in the middle of a pretty lengthy contract. I think he's in the third year of a, of a deal of a contract that is signed through the 2026-27 season. Um, he has a cap hit for the remainder of this deal at $5.5 million. So it's another relatively expensive forward. However, Brian said that, you know, Anderson brings... Uh, a bit of grit, and he certainly has size to his name. He's six foot three, two hundred twenty-six pounds. He does have some, somewhat of an offensive pulse. Uh, one hundred and fourteen goals, seventy-three assists in four hundred thirty-two games played, forty-four games played this season with the Canadians. Thirteen goals, three assists, sixteen points. He's a minus nine. Um, could you make the money work again? Yeah, where there's a will, there's a way, and it, you know, lining up with the philosophy that Hextall and Burke like their bigger, beefier forwards I could absolutely see it however with Anderson being a right wing and making as much money as he is even if he's locked down uh he's locked down for several more years at I think it was 5.5 million I I would be more concerned with trying to acquire center depth rather than wingers at this point um I mean make no mistake the Penguins bottom six needs help in just about every every position I think what I would do if I was general manager, at least, is try to upgrade the center position as best I could and then work outwards. If I can get some play-driving centers who can skate, and Jeff Carter's 37, 38 years old, and you know we talked ad nauseum about Jeff Carter to this point in the season about not having it anymore. If I can get a good center who can drive play uh, with his line mates, then that's what I would be going after. But much like the Bo Horvat question, I, I wouldn't be opposed to bringing in Josh Anderson because, you know, I, I think he can score. He gives you that size presence that general managers like Hextall uh, admire so much. So if they could make the money work, yeah, I, I wouldn't be against it. Could the Penguins finish third in the Metropolitan? Do I see that happening? Right now, the Penguins have 
51 points, and everyone's kind of kind of bunched together. The Hurricanes uh, are leading the division currently with 64 points. Right, uh, right behind them are the Devils at 62 points. And then the Rangers have 57 in third place. The Capitals have 56. The Penguins have 51. And the Islanders have 51 points. So it's kind of a big jumbled mess in the middle of the Metropolitan Division right now. The Penguins would probably have to go on something of a run, which they can do. You know, they went on the six or seven game winning streak earlier in the season. However, the theme of this episode has been consistently inconsistent. So they can also go on a five or six game losing skid as well from what we've seen in 2022-23 anyway. So the Penguins, yeah, if they get hot and more importantly, you know, if they get some much needed depth in that bottom six to help alleviate the pressure off of some of those aging stars, then yeah, they can absolutely finish third in the division um, when when they're battling the Rangers, the Capitals, and the Islanders. I mean, forget about the Hurricanes and the Devils. That those those two teams are probably going to run away with the top of the Metropolitan, but finishing third, the Penguins have an outsider's chance, I'd say, but it's better than not having a chance at all. And I think the Penguins are still in that fight. Question number five, Robbie comes from Brian. Would you rather have two elite wingers, an elite defenseman, and a top goalie in the league, or four solid centers? What happens if you have, like, all four? That would be cool. Like a um, deep man, a winger, a goalie, and a Like, center? I mean, so the Penguins have had an elite defenseman for, I mean, what, 15 years now in Crystal Tang? So we'll toss that out the window. The Penguins, remarkably, for having five Stanley Cups, have never had a truly top elite goaltender. Marc-Andre Fleury was good, full of the playoffs. Matt Murray was absolute lights out during that those two cup runs. So, like, for that short period of time, yeah, he was absolutely lights out. Two elite wingers. What are we considering elite wingers? I would consider Phil Kessel an elite winger. James Neal was an elite, elite winger for a short period of time there in Pittsburgh. Four solid centers would be, I mean, the Penguins have had three, like, high-end centers and probably four if you really, if you look at the cup yards, the Penguins had four really good centers. Um, scorings and you need goals to score. Uh, you need, so, I mean, if I'm choosing, if I can only have those options, I'd probably say elite wingers. I, I don't know what they mean by solid centers because, like, Crosby and Malkin are solid centers, but they're also, like, elite centers. Top goalie, I always kind of wondered what it would be like to have a guy like Vasilevsky back there where I don't have to have a heart attack every time they play the puck. Um, that would be really neat uh, to experience uh, once in my lifetime. Uh, there was the run with like Hedberg in the early 2000s. Uh, that was fun as heck. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, we had, yeah, I, I guess wingers, if I had to pick, because uh, I, I, the, the term solid is so open for um, interpretation, like four solid, what is that like four Nick Beninos or like four Sidney Crosby's or I don't know. So, yeah, if I have to look on that just based on, uh, I'm saying I'd say two elite wingers. Yeah, that would be cool. Uh, question number six from Brian again. Uh, what orange came first, the color or the fruit? It would have to be the color, right? Because no, it, actually, I actually looked this up when I saw the question. The fruit, the fruit came first. So it's kind of complicated. Um, uh, the earliest recorded use use of orange, the fruit. Uh, in English is from the 1300s. Uh, now it came from the old French, an old French word which was adapted from Arabic, uh, and eventually it goes all the way back to Sanskrit, uh, which it's the original origin becomes unclear. The words first used as color doesn't come until 200 years later in the 1500s. Um, so it was orange, the fruit. Uh, now, it, it, it originally was used to, they called, the trees were called orange trees, and then it was just called fruit from an orange tree, and then it became an orange. But the color orange was not recorded in English, or to, the word was not used as a color until the 1500s. That is fascinating. I mean, and that's, and that's from a citrus, like, a citrus fruit producer website. So, like, I thought it was legit. Like, it wasn't just from, like, Wikipedia or some random person blabbering on the internet. It's from a citrus fruit producer's 
website in, I believe, New Zealand. So that, that's amazing. Yes, like, I, I saw that. I'm like, I it just like I wonder what the answer is because that's pretty interesting and it's one of those questions where you could probably sit there and think all day, but orange was not always the cut co- like we associate it with the color. It was used to name a fruit and then it evolved into be calling uh, a color. So I, I had done no research on that question. I went in blind, but I'm a history I'm a history buff, Robbie. I know you are too. Yeah. And and like I, I would have had I had I gone forward because I was putting the questions in the in the outline last night and I'm like, huh, this is a fun question and it's not hockey related, but it's one that people have thought about for before and they posed oh, yeah. the question before. Yeah. And I'm, I had just no idea because if you're looking at the orange, my thought process was before you answered, if you're looking at the fruit itself, how would you know that this is an orange? How would you know that this round fruit that you're holding wouldn't be called a grape or an apple or what, you know, whatever makeup made up word you want to use uh, if you didn't already know what the color orange was, but the fact that the fruit came before the color and how, you know, traditional, I guess, I guess it's more than English speakers, uh, tra- you know, yeah. traditionally we view the color orange. That is the fruit came. So the fruit came first. That is just absolutely fascinating. And what it kind of comes from then is like until the 1500s or even like, yeah, like the mid 20th century or sorry, not 20th century, mid 16th century was that orange the fruit wasn't widely available in like english-speaking countries because it's a tropic citrus fruit uh-huh. um and when they saw it and when the, that color was generally referred to as yellow red and if you mix yeah. yellow and red together is where you get orange uh-huh. um so that's th- this website um in old english it was more described as yellow red and then i guess it just adapted into well this is an orange and that's the color so we'll just call the colors now orange if you mix red and yellow together you get orange there you go uh robbie we might we might not have long much longer for the pensburg podcast but you can't say we don't educate the the listeners maybe Uh, this will be maybe this is what pensburg podcast 2.0 will be little hockey with little hockey with um some linguistic uh history as well you know well we'll, this is just a springboard and we'll take yes just completely new direction and so st- stay tuned for yeah. whatever comes of P- Pensburg Podcast 2.0. Uh, question number seven comes from Brian. Of all the players that never won a Stanley Cup, who would you have wanted to see win one the most? I'm guessing this is overall I would hockey. guess so, too. Um, boy, there's, yeah. There, I mean, there's obviously a ton of good options uh, here. And it's kind of, I mean, you think back, like, obviously you're, a lot of your great Canadians have all won Stanley Cups because, I mean, they played in the league when there were only uh, six teams. So a lot of them have Cups. Um, and some names that popped into my head when I saw this question, I'm like, oh, no, they did win a Cup at the end of their career. Uh, with so Like, Hashik won at the end of his career with uh, the Red Wings. Robitaille won at the end of his career uh, with the Red Wings. And there's a lot of, I mean, really good names uh, that pop up. Um, one that immediately comes to mind is Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, obviously, would have you don't really want to watch the uh, the the Rangers win a cup, but Lundqvist was always a guy that I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's Vesna's. He's gave it. He's laid it all on the line. Um, uh, for that, another name that popped into my head was Pekarene. Obviously, he had one shot with it, and I mean, thank goodness he didn't get it at the time that he was in the final because that was against the Penguins. Uh, and two other names that really, again, that played against the Penguins that would have been their only real shot at the Stanley Cup would have been uh, Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton. Uh, had they were there in the finals in um, 2016, and Marlowe had that short stint uh, with the Penguins uh, during uh, COVID, uh, the COVID shortened season. Uh, so I mean, overall, uh, I mean th- those are the na- those are the more co- the um, I guess more modern names you'd say. There's you could go through uh, all of history. Another name that sticks out is Paul Correa. Um, went there in 03, but lost with the Ducks uh, against the Devils in seven games. Um, so yeah, I mean guys like that 
there's always there's great players throughout NHL history that never uh, got a chance to get their name engraved on Stanley Cup. So, um, yeah, guys like Lundqvist, Rene, Thornton, uh, Korea, Marlowe, guys like that. Um, it would have been really nice to see them get that moment, but unfortunately, it never came to pass. Ooh, the number eight, uh, the final question from Brian. Uh, do you ever miss uh, Jim Rutherford? Uh, he made some questionable moves, uh, Jack Johnson in parentheses, but at least he wasn't afraid to make moves. And I get the Hexall wants to keep draft picks and rebuild a prospect pool, and I agree with that, but he needs to do something to fix the problems he created. Yeah, this was part of the conversation we were having before the mailbag question, and it's funny now because I probably went on record either through this podcast or through Twitter and probably said at the time that Jim, Ruther- Jim Rutherford's off his rocker, he's lost his marbles, he needs to go. These transactions, these contract signings and trades are ridiculous. Like, get out of here, Grandpa. But it's funny. It's almost like you don't realize what you have until it's gone. And look, Rutherford should be commended and you know deserves a place in history for winning those Stanley Cups here in Pittsburgh and constructing the roster in, in the manner in which he did. And you can also, I think, fairly criticize him for the later transactions like trading Ryan Reeves for a first rounder or signing Jack Johnson or trading away Carl Hagelin or whatever. But seeing what we have now in Ron Hextall, I I think I would probably rather have someone be more aggressive. Uh, You know, I I, I agree. And, And Brian said this, too. It's it's you know you want to have you want to build that prospect cupboard because it's so bare. The Penguins don't have many top quality prospects. I get that, but I'm start like I said earlier. I'm starting to come around to the fact that just start the rebuild when Crosby and Malkin are done, and you know your chances for competing for championships are almost completely diminished. I don't think the Penguins are going to be the NHL's worst team when it's all said and done, and Crosby and Malkin retire. Uh, especially with Fenway Sports Group now as the majority owners, they are probably going to want to foster some sort of competitiveness on the ice and their on-ice product. And that talk with the bringing up Fenway Sports Group, Robbie, I wonder, you know, if they're sitting there in, their, in an owner's suite or if, even if they're watching from afar and don't come to the games, but, you know, this is still their property. They own it. Are, are they starting to get impatient with Ron Hextall's lack of uh, lack of anything meaningful, any meaningful trades, watching this team win five, then lose seven, or lose three in a row, then kind of win two and win one, lose one? They're not really – the Penguins really don't have a clear identity uh, other than the old stars that they decided to bring back. And I was for that. I'm still for that. I still think you can win with Crosby and Malkin. Their cap hits are none of my concern. What is concerning is the fact that the money you did have, you gave it to players like Casperi Kapanen for three and a half million, Jeff Carter for three and a half or three point seven million, Danton Heinen, you could get rid of him. Teddy Bluger, you said Robbie earlier in the show, he he's a good penalty killer, maybe a good defensive forward, but he provides no offense. He's an, uh, he's a he's a free agent at the end of this season, and you know there was a point in time where I thought you have to lock down Bluger. I mean he's going to be a big piece to that bottom six. But now, you know, let him let him test the open market because, as far as I'm concerned, I want as much salary cap space as I can get. If I was the general manager, at least I'm not. I don't make those decisions. But yeah, I would completely retool the bottom six. I think the top six is fine, and you can win with it. And for the defense, I think the defense is fine as well. You know, would I resign Brian Dumoulin? Probably not. I'd probably give him a handshake and say thanks for your service. We're deciding to go in a different direction. You know, keep. Pedersen, Joseph, and and Ty Smith on that left side and have a Chad Ruedel or a Mark Friedman as your seventh defenseman. You can have Petrie, Latang, and you still have Jan Ruda under contract. So let Dumoulin walk and you still have a top six defense unit for next season. Uh, what's going to happen with Tristan Jari? You know, that remains to be seen. The same thing with Jason Zucker. But yeah, I think at this point in the season, I would have rather had someone more aggressive at the helm to try and maximize whatever you can out of the Crosby Malkin era. Uh, but that will, that will do it for, for the podcast. And uh, again, uh, just want to reiterate what I said at the start of the show. Um, and, you know, Robbie, feel free to jump in and give your two cents as well here. Um, 
there were some some uh, layoffs as a part of Vox Media, the parent company uh, of SB Nation and the parent company of Pennsburg. Uh, a lot of great, really talented writers and content creators uh, lost their jobs uh, today as we record this on January 20th. SB Nation's hockey coverage, Vox Media has decided to slash over 80% of Vox Media's and SB Nation's hockey coverage. Uh, as of right now, Pennsburg is unaffected by these changes. Uh, we that, that could change in an instant. They could wake up tomorrow and, and pull the rug out from under us as well. Uh, nobody really has the answers yet. Uh, we don't have the answers as we're recording this and finishing up the recording here, but... Uh, Again, our contract that we signed, that Robbie and I signed to produce the Pennsburg podcast is uh, coming to an end on February 28th, 2023. Uh, that was the doing of the upper management people at Vox Media. That was not our doing. Uh, so, you know, between now and the end of February, uh, we'll have to figure out some sort of plan and you know, gauge listener interest and, and see if there are other avenues we can explore to try and keep the podcast going. But right now, as we sit here, uh, the Pennsburg podcast, the lights could go dark as of February 28th and after that. But uh, we, we really were left with more questions than we have answers right now. And um, uh, Robbie, I want to get, I don't want to leave you out of this conversation because you're just as important to. Pennsburg's written content as well as this podcast. So, you know, I'll let you take the microphone and, and share any of the thoughts that that you had or have had since you know we learned the news earlier this morning. Yeah, it's when I you had just texted me about what time we were going to record this podcast, and like a half hour later, I saw uh, Steph Driver, who was the the lead of all the the NHL blogs uh, at SB Nation for Vox. Uh, tweeted that she had been um, laid off. She was one of the uh, the casualties, one of the main casualties, at least from uh, our perspective of uh, of the of this round of layoffs from uh, from Vox. And as soon as she tweeted that out, um, I sent it to you, and it kind of all just snowballed from there. Um, your reaction kind of was immediate with uh, the team at Pennsburg uh, getting our heads together and deciding or trying to figure out. Uh, what was going on exactly? Um, our boss guy Jim uh, had received an email from someone else at uh, Vox Media about what was going on, and we were, um, as of this moment, uh, one of the six hockey blogs spared, uh, along with a few other teams. But if you head over to the SBN, SB Nation, NHL site, you can see some kind of uh, farewells and. Uh, goodbyes or not even necessarily goodbyes, but uh, we have really no idea what's happening. Kind of uh, comments from um, from around the the SBN uh, Fox or Hockey Universe. Uh, some blogs have already put out um, statements about uh, what may come next. Um, I know that uh, Jay Drink, the Capitals blog, um, has kind of already thrown. Um, uh, kind of a a um a sink or a um a line out there to see, kind of let their readers know that this may not be the end of them. It may just be the end of them at um SB Nation. Uh, in the comments of the Blue Shirt Banter blog, which covers the Rangers, there were uh, comments saying uh, uh, we'd pay for a subscription type service. Um, so who knows where some of them blogs will end up? Hopefully. Uh, they this is not the end for them that there's great uh, great great writers uh, even at our rival blogs uh, i know that uh, kelly who is head of uh, broad street hockey uh, tweeted that um they will hopefully continue at, at the very least their podcast uh broad street hockey podcast in some uh form or another going forward uh but a lot will be settled in the next six weeks uh, as Garrett said, him and I will sit down and determine um, what the next steps are for this podcast. If it, um, I, I mean, I think we both would like to see it go on um, in some form or fashion. And if there's a way to host it um, outside of the um, SB Nation Vox uh, media um, 
environment, then maybe we'll go with that. If we have to uh, change its name because of copyright issues, we can uh, look into that. But Garrett and I will sit down uh, here in these next um, six weeks before the end of February and determine uh, our next steps. And then as for Pennsburg as a whole, um, because regardless of how long the site the site goes around, the podcast will be stop being funded uh, and supported at the end of uh, March or at the end of February, uh, regardless. But the site for Pennsburg, um, it again, a lot of questions still are left unanswered as we wrap this episode up. Hopefully, within the next six weeks, we get a more um, concrete answer on the future of the site as a whole, and then if it comes to that we can uh, talk to Jim about what our options are with Pennsburg because a lot of, and this goes well before Garrett or I ever came into the picture. Um, even before Mike, uh, Mike Darnay was in, was in the picture that this was a lot of blood, sweat and tears went into these websites, especially Pennsburg, uh, being one of them. Um, the success of the team, no doubt, uh, has helped, uh, the, 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 the readership on this website, um, we are one of the um, highest viewed of the now almost formerly um, SB Nation uh, hockey blogs. And yeah, that's because we had a great team uh, in, uh, on this website before us. Um, and now I don't know exactly when you joined Garrett, but I had started in uh, the fall of 2016. So about six and a half years uh, right after the 2016 Cup run. Um, and I know that it's been fun building this and I hope that, um, whether it's at SB nation or uh, somewhere else, we keep it, um, alive in some form or fashion, but, uh, we'll sit down and talk about that. Garrett and I will talk about, uh, the podcast and see what our options are, um, after, um, after February. Um, uh, we have a, a, a good a listenership, a very active, uh, audience that submits questions it makes our job a heck of a lot easier uh each week um filling these airwaves so yeah um it sucks today sucks um friday sucks the weekend will will suck and it's going to suck for uh a couple weeks because there's still so many questions and i think that once the those questions are answered even if they're not the answers we're hoping for um it'll feel a little bit better because there'll be some closure on that on that end. So, um, as for Pensburg, uh, keep reading us. I mean, we'll be around on there. Um, hopefully, um, we'll stick around for a little while longer. Uh, as for the podcast, uh, you'll get five or six more episodes, uh, guaranteed. And then, um, in the meantime, Garrett and I will put our heads together and see what our options are for moving forward. Uh, if the door remains open to continue this podcast somewhere else, um, I hope, I hope we, I hope we, at least give it a shot. So uh, for me, Garrett, and the Time Pedsburg staff, thank you guys uh, for everything. Um, yeah, we'll still be around. You know where to find us. If, you, uh, if you're if you on social media this weekend, Twitter, whatever, and you run into a uh, um, someone that works on one of the hockey blogs for, for Vox, um, maybe send a nice thought out. Be nice. Um, we're all kind of processing this together. Uh, nobody likes this. And, yeah, it – it sucks, but the sun will come up tomorrow. Well, we're in Western Pennsylvania. The sun might not come up for a while. Um, it'll, it'll be it'll be bright outside, but it don't mean it's don't. Yeah, I don't plan on seeing any sun, but uh, tomorrow will come, the day after will come, and uh, we'll kind of keep processing things, and uh, we'll sit down. Garrett and I will have a conversation, and our team will have a conversation, and see where it goes after February twenty eighth. But in the meantime, uh, as always, um, it's been fun, and. Guess we'll see you next week. I'll turn it back over to Garrett to wrap her up. Yeah, that uh, that's a, a great way to, to finish and wrap this up. Uh, any, I, I will say any form of communication will likely come from the official Pennsburg Twitter account. Again, that's at Pennsburg on Twitter. Uh, any, you know, again, any updates that I can share or will share or Robbie or Jim, uh, anyone from the team, once we get more information, uh, our social channels at Pensburg and uh, Pensburg, I believe, is, is active on Facebook as well. As I wrap this episode up and uh, we'll begin the editing process, uh, editing process for this episode, I will, um, I will be putting out some, at least some temp- form of temporary statement 
on the Pensburg official Pensburg Twitter uh, regarding the the current status of the podcast and uh, like Robbie said, where we go from here and try to maybe explore ways of how we can maybe move this podcast elsewhere if if need be. Um, but uh, again, like Robbie said, we will be putting out uh, a new episode every week until the end of February. February 28th is, again, the last day our contracts are, are valid with uh, Vox Media on the podcasting side of things uh, after February 28th. Uh, you know, that, that remains unclear for now. Again, Tuesday, February 28th. So looking at the calendar right now, uh, February 24th, Friday, February 24th will likely be the uh, last iteration edition of this current iteration of the Pensburg podcast in its current form. Uh, but like Robbie said, between now and then we uh, still plan to uh, publish content at pensburg.com and through, uh, you know, uh, the official podcasting platforms that you get this Pensburg podcast from. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a crazy Friday as we wrap this up. Um, uh, for Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Behanna. Again, thank you so much for for you know not only supporting this podcast as as we sort of close begin to close the book uh, you know on this iteration of the podcast at least uh, you know thank you so much for for supporting us along the way th through this podcast through Pensburg.com. Uh, I remember uh, back in 2018 I approached Jim. Uh, hooks or pick and I said to I, I wanted to start a podcast an official podcast for Pensburg um, and you know Jim and I we started the podcast and we had sort of had a rotating chair of, of guests come on with us and and then Jim decided he wanted to step away that's where Robbie came in and I you know I've been so thankful to him uh, for you know doing this and recording this once a week with me for the last however many weeks we've been doing this, but um, we we will see you next week. That is for sure. We'll see you until the end of February. Again, uh, for Robbie, I have been Garrett. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Pensburg Podcast. And again, we will see you next week for a new episode. <laughs>